And Georgia so. I want to see. I want to see too. Starting off the same damn way every time. Tonight, a sale on crunchy rolls. Wick to wick, Snyder sits in a chair. Mr. Cooper is hanging with Mr. Smith and Rocksteady's crosshairs on tonight's Triforce podcast. This is, yet again, another edition of the Triforce podcast. Uh, this is podcast number 148 of the tri- uh, Purjangers and Wallhangers Media Network. This yeah. is the Triforce. I am Matthew Beeperell, the Matt Man, to my left is Christopher Bristodio. He got it right this time. And <laughs> the Purjanger box, the Purjanger Zoom box. The Zoom box. The zoom 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 in the boom boom. Shake, shake the, the box. Cat <laughs> um, Arena Thermoscara, Catco Google, joining us as well this week. And uh, new studio setup, Big Brother, got the green screen, even better uh, for lug nuts. Let's play with your pajangers. End this. Green screen, not a TV. Not a TV. <laughs> not a t- just a green screen. Um, too poor and too cheap to buy yet another TV or useless piece of electronics. So, yeah, that's a green screen. And we're coming to you live on a magical TV. picture phone. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> 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 but obviously, we like I was just mentioning, we have the Let's Play with Your Pedrangers, yep. to where if uh, we give me the mouse, we scroll down over here, you find our uh, Lug Nuts podcast, Devo Bugatti Inflatable Prius, and Let's Play with Your Pedrangers, Destroy All Humans Part 2, as well as last week's Triforce podcast, Epic. <laughs> Uh, epic podcast that over 1.5 thousand people watched, which was our cackle of Kelly's, to where we oh, unleashed so worth it. the cackle onto the world, which in Lug Nuts and Let's Play with Your Pajangers, there are both cackles in those podcasts in the it background. It was the nipples that did it. It was. <laughs> the nipples are definitely doing it for someone, but I tell you what... Uh, I'm really, I loved that last podcast. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And you don't know how many times I've watched that playback. What I really love. My favorite part is when the door opened. You were both so serious. And then when Kelly opened the door and started to walk in, the expression on your face has changed completely. (laughs) (laughs) So excited. It was like, I was more happy about your expressions than I was the actual cackle of Kelly's. I was a kid at Christmas because we've just been planning this. And I was like, damn it, it's not going to turn off. It's not going to pop off this week. It's not going to pop off. And then he just magically shows through the door. And it was really just a magical moment. And I made it the highlight clip of last week's Triforce podcast. Oh, that was epic. On pjandwh.com. And it's right here at the top in the funniest moments. This was by far, It's it was my absolute pleasure to edit that last week's record <laughs> when you have a joy of a podcast <coughs> to edit like that one, oh yeah we both had our share of editing the podcast now going going on three years now again it's been that long Jesus. yeah uh, but when you come across those those clips that just that resonate and will always re- resonate that, like this is before Katarina's time but like like Doing the podcast from the delivery room is always like 
in my mind. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. When, when so, Elise was pregnant with... with, with yeah, Charlie. to give you a little background. Elise was pregnant, and Kelly just started, so we kept on teasing him. This was like the first rubs of us teasing him about doing the podcast, and we said, yeah, we're going to do the podcast live from the delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> Elise wasn't a big fan of that one. No, she wasn't. Um, I can't imagine she would have been. But, but she, she was a big fan of the Capital of Kelly. She was a big fan of the Capital of Kelly. But, you know, she said, next one, we will be allowed to broadcast. <laughs> I'm going to hold her to that. I, I'm going to hold her to that as the next one. But with our taser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of strange men in the delivery room with a taser. They said they're with you. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Yeah, that's not a taser. That's just a, just a portable recording device. <sighs> and it's business like usual, just like a lot like this podcast, which is starting off the same damn way every time. Tonight, a sale on crunchy rolls, wick to wick, Snyder sits in a chair. Mr. Cooper is hanging with Mr. Smith. And Rocksteady's Crosshairs on tonight's Triforce podcast. And, of course, we go over to the first article in the news, which is a absolute joy. Hold the, the left control for me. Oh, wrong way. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Oh, no, that's good. Oh. So, this man right here, no, he's not Jesus. This is one Mr. Christopher Eccleson. He is returning as the ninth doctor after 15 years for Big Finish. Eccleson will return in a new series of 12 full cast adventures from audio drama producers Big Finish. So, obviously, audio documentary, or not documentary, um, audio book series. Um, he said, after 15 years, it will be exciting to revisit the Ninth Doctor's world, bring back to, uh, to life a character I love playing. And each of the four volumes of Doctor Who, the Ninth Doctor Adventures, will be released as a four-disc collector's edition box set or download containing three brand-new full-cast audio adventures plus a selection of behind-the-scenes extras, which sounds absolutely Fantastic. This is actually a smart See what I did there? Because fantastic. Yes, it is. <laughs> fantastic. It that is was fantastic. fantastic. It was. <laughs> but I'm really excited movie. that he's coming back because we all know as Whovians that he just he skipped out on the 50th anniversary, which was yep. when you had Tennant, Smith, and the War Doctor. It would have been monumental to have 9, 10, and 11. But now with the 60th coming up, maybe we get him back for that. I would I'm, even like to see him as a one-on-one with the 13th. I think their dynamic would be amazing. Him and Jody? Absolutely. Yeah. But can you imagine the sassiness? Absolutely. <laughs> the sass yes, is just overwhelming. I have imagined, actually. Could you have imagined Christopher Eccleston with Donna Noble? I've really wanted that to happen. But if you could get it in a big finish. If we could get... Well, big finish, or my ultimate dream is for that 60th anniversary, you get uh, Rose... You get Donna, and you get uh, Freema. Uh, what was her character? Martha. Martha Jones, and you get all all the all the surviving alive companions. <laughs> Obviously, Sarah Jane won't be there; she's dead. Uh, but all the surviving really companions. You yeah. sure they can't work yeah. that? 
No, no. Maybe okay. with Disney Magic, but not. Yeah, no, she's dead. That's but BBC, not Disney. This he's open to coming back to where he left after one season at Doctor Who, mainly because he had problems with the production. Uh, his immediate with the supervisors. Yeah. yeah, and it was a loss. But he had the perfect intro season. It was this is Doctor Who, so it was not necessarily it was not necessarily the source material that he had the problem with. It was just the people there's that were a, running the show. Yeah, it, there, and there's a reason why people say don't skip nine. It's the sassiness. Yeah. It's the cleverness. The first episode when he's describing who he is to Rose, and he imagines he describes it as falling on a rock through space, and he's saying how fast you're going, and then letting go, and he's like, and that's why. When what makes the what year was his season? Like two thousand five. Two thousand five. All right. So I recognize him from being in Fast and Furious. No, no. I'm about to say I don't. Gone in sixty seconds with Nicolas Cage because he was the villain in that. You will also remember him from Heroes because he was the invisible guy who taught Peter how to control his powers. That's where I first saw him, and then. Big Brother, already watching Doctor Who at the time. Um, you know, my buddy, old podcast partner, Bob, he said, no, dude, look, sit down, watch it with me. Watch the first season. If you don't like it, that's it. But watch this first season. And I did. And all it took for me to get to was the first episode when he said, please to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. As soon as he said that, I was like, all right, I'm in. This is my show. And that's what I really fell in love with this as, and he was the doctor that hooked me into it. Even though he looked an entire generation of people, and not to mention, I think, you know, not that there weren't American fans before, but um, he in this show on Netflix blew up Doctor Who in this country. Oh, absolutely! I mm-hmm. will die on that hill. <laughs> and um, just only getting the one season with him was ter- terrible. Like I would have loved to see him go further. Um, but well, you know, Tennant stepped in and he took off running and did an amazing yeah. job. In the same aspect, eight and nine both suffered from that because yeah. eight, Paul McGann, he was just that was an American, a made for America BBC movie right. of Doctor Who, and okay. that was the eighth Doctor up until the fiftieth anniversary, where they did a special web series describing how he became the War Doctor with the sisters that you later see with Capaldi's era doctor. So there's a lot of intertwining in the story. There's a lot of plot holes. Yeah, there's a lot of plot holes, but it's a very nonlinear show. And if you're a fan of that, that's a good thing about a show that's heavy on time travel, there are always going to be loopholes. Well the doctor's already restarted the universe a couple times, so you know, what's one more? (laughs) Jinx Another thing that's jinx is this next story. Um, it's actually not jinx. I just said it because digging the cup, by the way. But, man, I tell you, Crunchyroll is, uh, Crunchyroll is going to be up for sale. So AT&T is in talks to sell Crunchyroll to Sony for $1.5 billion. Do you think wow. that's enough? Here's the thing. Let's go deeper into the story because the uh, the deal is far from certain. But AT&T approached Sony about the deal to sell Crunchyroll. Sony owns Funimation, which is the largest uh, licensor of anime in the United States. But the deal may come down to the price tag. The price tag made Sony balk, but 
given anime's popularity and the growing sensation that it is in the West, it can't be shut down entirely. The CEO of Warner Media, because you know they own um, Jason Keller, uh, he is an anime fan, but he admits a sale could happen if the price is right, Bob. Come on down. That's I think I make the price tag, and I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but I think the price tag sounds kind of low. For Look, the quality of here's the anime thing. on Crunchyroll and in Funimation, I would say yes. Because Crunchyroll, Funimation, you know, uh, Hulu used to have a lot of uh, Funimation stuff on there that split. There's a kind of divide on where you can find the anime that you like right now. This would really simplify it. You go to Crunchyroll, you get Funimation, all the other animations that they have on there. And which it's a big step up. But here's the thing. This is why they're talking about prices, because Sony is about $1.5 billion in debt. So, or one point uh, hundred and fifty one billion in debt. Rather, I don't want to mess that statistic up because it's a lot of fucking money. Maybe uh, that's holding it up. Maybe that's why they want to wait for it to go to the discount bin. Maybe wait till it's at Walmart on sale. I don't know. Yeah, but Disney will step in and, and, and assimilate everything anyway. Well, I, resistance I, I, is I, floppy. So. Yes, it is <laughs> floppy. <laughs> you already know that. Yeah. I think that's the title of the podcast. Well, uh, that's that actually was. a previous title. For yeah, it, it was. Guy. Number 56. Resistance <laughs> is floppy two. The electric back. Boogaloo. The manga cut. <laughs> the manga cut. Damn, she's better at it than me. But <laughs> floppy two, the manga cut. I would like to see this deal happen because I'm, I am a lover of anime, and I think that there's something special from anime. Once again, Bob, he introduced me to Doctor Who and he introduced me to anime. And he was there to explain the British and to explain the Japanese <laughs> view to, of it to me, a dumb American. We used to rag on the Revolutionary War. Oh, yeah. Yes. We could still do that. We could still do that. It really kind of hit home for me because the way that Jap- Japanese animation, uh, Big Brother and I are watching through the the New Adventures of the Monkey King on Netflix because it just launched their second season. Okay. It's fantastic, fantastic live adaptation, but it's an anime. It's you know in Japanese mythos. It's the Monkey King. It just screams anime when you watch it, even though it's live action. That gives me hope. But I really I look at that and I look at animation and I think that anime really needs a, a it, you need a, a Netflix to go to. Now Netflix, Amazon, they're all investing in anime. You know, even down to HBO Max, they're getting in there, but it's still regurgitating the same crap. You need Funimation. So, so here's my take on it. Like as you, we see a lot of stuff already on Hulu with animation. You see yes. some stuff on Netflix. Um, do you think Disney or Netflix will step in and try to grab that? Because that, that, you know, just to add it to their library and, and slow release it over time, that might be something that they do. Now, the do. big contenders here for um, the sale are, one, it's, uh, you have, or no, I'm sorry, for this sale is Sony, even with Funimation, they need that Crunchyroll form because people love going to Crunchyroll, okay? Okay. 
it's that box, you know, that soapbox that we need for anime. So like the Netflix more, box did for television and movies. And not actually the content. Yeah, okay. because Crunchyroll is free. But you can also subscribe to it. You get rid of the, uh, the advertisements. You know, you get more anime, English dubbed in there. And there's okay. that subscription platform. Right. But there's a lot of stuff to where you get have the benefits of platforming. And just having that as a free thing, you have Sony come in, probably give it to you free if you're on PlayStation Network somehow, and then make everybody else pay and say, suck it. Mm, no. Maybe. They, I don't know. They I tried to do wrong. that with PlayStation TV. That would just be another venture that they could lose money on. That's very true. But I tell you, uh, this next story, this one is a venture that I really think somebody needs to jump on at Disney, which is uh, X-Men, the animated series. The producer confirms revival talks with Disney. So, Larry... I said this in the chat sometimes. It's like, you don't need to revive everything. You don't need a live adaptation of everything. Some things should stay as the core material... But if you grew up with a, with a cartoon, it should stay. Well, here's the thing. Larry Houston was on uh, the Wizard World podcast, and he confirmed that talks with Disney have occurred. Quote, we've had talks, but that's about it. We've made conversation. It's up to them uh, to make the decision. But we've let them know what we're available and what you know we're uh, available to do and whatever they want to do in the future. That kind of seems to me like, you know, you meet a hot girl and you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm always here in the future if you ever want to hang out or, you know, do anything. I'm right here. Here's my number. And, you know, if you want to do anything, I'm, I'm always available. It's like she hasn't heard that line before. You know, so it's like it's like that desperate that desperate plea is what I see this as is to where, yes, I would love to see the animated series come back taking on a different line, but I don't think it's necessarily needed because... It's, the original series is currently streaming on Disney Plus, so if you miss it, you can go back and watch it. Now, right. you, they if don't you have it in chronological order. Yet. If you do something <laughs> with it, the, the X Men, the original X Men cartoon series, their stories still hold up today. There are certain things that have not aged well, like the GI Joe cartoons. <laughs> and well, when you brought it, when like, you brought when you go uh, back and they brought back movie. Rocco's Modern Life, and that movie that they yeah. put on Netflix did not hit home. It didn't. Oh trigger things like other nostalgia has the like that's when avatar like with avatar i don't know how old how old is avatar is it like avatar a ended in 08 so uh, 12 years ago and the storyline still holds up which is why it's so popular again a good yeah. story will always be popular x-men is still popular that show in particular and even batman the animated series because oh, well, that they was, all had that's timeless but they exactly. all had they all had a common thread is that it had to deal with people's perceptions about certain, like, like backgrounds. So, like, with Avatar, it was the four Yeah, it's like with, social issues, socioeconomical issues. And that was one of the big things with Stan Lee and being, like, on Stan Lee's soapbox. And that, that, large, that large excerpt that we share from time to time that, you know, it doesn't matter what race, creed, or religion you are. So, like, not to go down a political vein, but it doesn't matter... Like those things, because at the end of the day, you still bleed the same, you still die the same. So, like I'm all in for more X Men, but give me new X Men. Don't take something that is already beautiful and redo it. 
at, or or be like you know every comic book and say we're we're redoing it. Start well, here's the thing: I do one. think that the X Men are needed now, especially oh, yeah. in an animated form. I think you could do what they did with Batman, to where they released the Batman. They released the 1960s Batman in a newer form. You can keep on with the character, do a different animated format, not like you did Teen Titans. <laughs> Warning you. Don't make me come over there. Or Thundercats. Yes. Uh, don't do that. Don't but you can bring it back in a new form and still have grabbed that core audience that you want to just by leaving in Easter eggs, having different Not narratives that are reminiscent of it. You know? And you can keep it separate, like Spider-Man Ultimate. You know, you can keep it in a different animated universe. So I gotta ask, do you remember, Katarina, the, the, the Thundercats that they did back in like 2012, maybe 2011? Yeah. yeah. That actually, there was like a couple things that actually, like, was a throwback to the original cartoon, like little nuggets of conversation that they actually acknowledged the previous iteration of Thundercats, and it was like a continuation of the story, not a not a full blown reimagination. Like the first, re the one that you're talking about, that first reboot of Thundercats, I didn't mind. The animation style threw me off a little bit, but I was I was on board for it. The one that came after, that one, oh my god. That, that's yeah. why I call that Steven Universe cats. Yeah, that that was, an, but the new Shira that they did on Netflix, there was a character on the original Shira called Cowl, and Cowl is not in this one, but they had a like a stuffed animal in the background, so it was just like a little Easter egg for the people who had watched the original. Be like, oh snap, there's Cowl. Like I I appreciate that they reimagined these characters and made them younger because Shira was an adult, so this was almost like a prequel. Okay. Um, even though they didn't call it that, because, like I said, the original Shira was a full-grown woman in her 20s, whereas this girl was, you know, 12, 13. Um, and if you haven't seen the Netflix Shira, I highly recommend it. It wonderful storytelling, and it expanded on the universe in a great way without being the Shira from the 80s, like, just redone here. Not repurposed. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I enjoyed it because the original Shira, as an 8-year-old, it was amazing. As a 42-year-old, when I try to sit down and watch it with my daughter on Netflix, we were like, mm. we didn't even get past one episode. I'm like, I'm sorry. I would never, <laughs> never make you sit down and watch something like that. Because she just gave me this look. And I'm like, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you. I was <laughs> You were more accepting back this? in the 80s and 90s? Well, <laughs> when I was eight, I had horrible taste. I mean. We've all, we've all had those. It was pitfalls. a cultural thing. Yeah, we've it all was, had it those was. pitfalls. That's true. It was also. Lack of was, options. It was also Western anime and not. Stop it. Not anime coming over from 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 the east. So, right. so I tell you one thing that might also be a pitfall: not going to the same story. But this next story, <laughs> which is uh, man, it's not good news for the Avatar. Uh, Netflix has responded to this, but the Avatar: Last Airbender series, uh, the creators have left the live-action adaptation during production. Netflix responded to the departure, saying that they have complete respect and admiration for Michael and Brian, and the story that they created in the Avatar animated series is going on to uh, say all. Uh, uh, oh, is going on, and they also go on to say that with their departure uh, of the live action product uh, project, they're confident that the creative team 
will be able to handle the adaptation. But Michael Dante DiMartino revealed in a blog post that production did not go as planned and have changed due to unforeseen events. Uh, as productions are challenging in general, uh, he knows that, but he also knows when to cut his losses and move on. Netflix is, he says, Netflix's live adaptation of Avatar has potential to be good. It might turn out to be the show many of you will end up enjoying. But what I can say, what I can be certain about is whatever version that ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I have envisioned or intend to make. He did say that this will not be the end of, you know, working on stories in the Avatar universe. For right. Um, but he's out. I'm kind of torn on this because, say it time and time again, some shows do not need a live adaptation. I mean, you know, Katarina alluded to, like, you know, there's certain things that you can do facially with animation that you can't do with a live actor. You know, I'm not saying... It's well, that's where Spider-Man suffered. And, you know, that's why they when they made Deadpool, they realized you got to have animated eyes. And I think Spider-Man, you got to have animated eyes. And it's the same kind of thing, you know? It's um, it's just amazing that yes, do I want to see it? Yes, if they're doing something different that the creators didn't quite like that may improve it or enhance it, then all right, so be it. But this is still a very gray story to where you really can't tell who's on the good end of this. And they may be both on the good end. It's just like it, they they may just have a conflict. A creator can be very controlling of their vision. I know this. And it is their source IP, so like they're allowed to have some type of, you know, some type of like ownership to the whole process. Yeah. But do you truly think that the arc of the Avatar of Aang's Avatar needs to be re revisited or reimagined? Or no. not? I don't no. think so because. You, <laughs> You can go back, like it was a solid story. It, it from the story's fine to end. It is the one of the perfect endings and fits that middle of the the line of like where where Aang stood when he took away uh, Fire Lord Ozai's powers. And Legend but of Korra really won. wasn't as good as the last day of because no. Legend of Korra tried to they they tried to talk about so much about the original iterations of being the Avatar that they didn't give the full breadth of the story of like if you were going to do that mm. I would have done three seasons of Korra and then do like they made her too powerful off the jump yeah. she got like three out of four powers in the first two seconds of the show and but. It took three seasons for Aang to figure out. But you do that, you treat the seasons as like, I have this power. You treat season two as like the redemption story of like losing the Avatar's ability and going back and looking into the, the history of it. And then you go into season three of kind of like redeeming yourself, yeah. being like a, a, a better overall person with your power. I gotta tell you though, I always thought that this would make an amazing game to where you pick your avatar out of Ang's past, and that's the storyline you jump into. And it would be all avatar that you haven't seen yet, because you always see like there's like a mile of avatar behind them. But you only you only know like, oh, there's Kyoshi and there's the 
you know, the dude with the bear hat. And that's it. And but there's a million of them behind them. But what even what what would even be better is making an MMO of that world. So like if you want yeah. to be an earthbender, firebender. Yeah. That would be my ultimate go to for a game. Yeah, like and then when you get to the DLC content or the end game content, then you have the ability to learn the ways of the avatar. So then you can branch out, but you wouldn't get all the abilities of the fire. Like if you started this fire, you would have all the abilities of fire, but you only get you can even go air. You could go back into Legend of Korra territory before the Avatar, because before the Avatar in Legend of Korra they explain it, but essentially cities were on the back of these gigantic like spirit turtles. turtles. Yeah. And then they would grab sea lion turtle. Yeah. Was it turtles back. all the way down? No. They <laughs> float around with you on the back. But they have well, little dude. <laughs> they have this. Uh, they give you this power whenever you leave the city. The ability to bend. That I would like to see because going out would be kind of like uh, like the battle arena, the fighting stage, yeah. the MMO, and then you can change what house you want to be part of. Because the mechanics. And then inside the city, you have a whole bunch of like you know RPG, you know elements in there to where you can have a really crafty story that causes you to leave the city and use those avatar powers. You can make every realm as its own little version multiverse. Hyrus. Yes, what I'm saying. Hyrus. You know? We're here all day. Yeah. But, I tell you what we don't have all day to get through these stories. Where the next story is also good, just as good. That. I'll take it. Thank you. Yes, control. Paramount. Uh... Paramount reportedly wants to make a Transformers War of Cybertron movie. Talk about redundant. Um, supposedly, they want the, to produce a live-action film that would very much remain its own standalone project and not be connected to any in-development franchise, reboot, or anything else. At this moment, it's just talks about uh, the prospect of the adaptation. And, uh, the series has no green lights given, but... My question is, once again, do we need a live-action War for Cybertron? I feel like these... these The episodic two, releases that Netflix is doing, like the seasonal releases... I'm down for the series that they're doing. The three-part yes. series, I love that idea. Especially since they're ending with the Maximals and the Predacons. If that leads on if to you're going to tie this movie in, tie it so it falls in line with the series. If you're going to do anything... I just don't want people to keep going back to the same well because it had water at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Avatar is doing that. Transformers is doing that. Give me something new. But you can reimagine, like, like the episodic series would be, like... Season reimagine three. a new idea, motherfucker! I know, but... <laughs> 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 you can reimagine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do something new. You can end one of the seasons on like a pivotal moment of how they become a prime. Because uh, cliffhangers always go over. With. And then you could start <laughs> that whole backstory of like when there used to be seven primes or ten primes in Cybertron. Because that did exist at one point. But that goes back to my point of that going somewhere new. War for Cybertron, it was one episode in the original But it was series. only talked about. It was never shown. Then we got a game. Okay. 
and the game was fantastic. The, we all awesome. the agreed was, on that game was fantastic. Which I still play okay. on the 360. But it's one of those things that I don't think you need to redo something that you literally just did. They had to rename the the the, you know, the Matrix to the All Spark because of the Matrix. Well, yeah, and it's it's just one of those things that I really think that there's a lot of mythos and lore in there to, that can really it can be a fantastic story in its own right by doing something that is just hey I'm all something that somebody made you don't up. have to play dare to be stupid behind me. Well, I tell you one thing: one person who is daring to be stupid—that's the next story over at Lionsgate, which is John Wick Five confirmed and will be shot back to back with John Wick Four. That's a smart move because the whole pandemic—they're trying to get them both films. Boom, boom, boom! Pop them out, baby! Ready and available, and just pop them out like kids. We don't have enough of them yet. Get them out there, but Lionsgate confirmed via their earnings call that the fifth John Wick film is officially in the works, and You're CEO John Feathermeyer uh, revealed the plans to shoot four and five back-to-back once Keanu Reeves is available, and John Wick 4 is currently scheduled to release May 27th, 2022. He said, uh, we hope to shoot John Wick 4 and 5 back-to-back when Keanu Reeves becomes available early next year. So we're talking 2021 for shooting. Still in the lines for their 2022 in May release date, giving it enough time to edit. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm, it's a smart move with the whole pandemic and everything to kind of film them back. I do back. eventually want to go through the John Wick series and Which, you know, watch now have availability to them. Yeah. So I do want to go through them, and I want to I want to really enjoy them because it's Keanu Reeves kicking ass and taking names. Yes, it is. That's really the only reason you need to watch these movies. So true. I really I, I really like that idea, and I think that pumping them out back to back, get them done. That also gives Marvel time to figure out where they want him. So I tell you, one person who's also working during this pandemic, which is one Zack Snyder, he really reveals, scroll down there to a Twitter picture, that's the golden bean footage. He reveals a glimpse at his work on the new trailer for the Snyder Cut. As always, taking to Twitter, Snyder shared this picture from the editing room floor where you can see something on the monitor which looks similar to the scene in the... The movie to where the league was approaching Soups for the first time after he dies. I have to present this question for you. In, in, in the vein of the Snyder Cut, do you want to have the film to be released in a noir setting? No. No. Like just a noir film no. style? No. Not at all. Why not? No. Because it's stupid. But why? I agree. Because it's, it's dumb. <laughs> That's why, because it's dumb. No, it's not it. noir. It's superheroes. Keep it with keep it in color. Don't make it a, a mystery novel. It's Batman, Superman. They got to fuck shit up. That's what I want. But I really trust Snyder for this. The trailer for the Snyder Cut is coming at the DC Fandom event August twenty second. But we will be hearing that a lot more in the news. I really, I mean, it's Zack Snyder sitting at an editing desk, and I actually, when I shared this, I tagged you in this uh, post in the group chat that I want that. <laughs> I want I want that for editing. That, okay. That's what I want. Um, <laughs> right there. I, I, I want that. But, yeah, I'm kind of tapped right <clears throat> Another thing I want is this next story. 
The MCU's Spider-Man 3 movie title is rumored to be released, which is Spider-Man Homesick. Rumor I'm comes, not a fan of this title. Rumor comes from Murphy's Multiverse and says that the film has been called that by Esquire and Maxim on the magazine's website. Going on to say that the sets for the movie are being uh, constructed in Atlanta, Georgia, where many Marvel Studios projects shoot. And it's referred to as Homesick. Now, neither Sony or Marvel have confirmed whether that is the title or not, but the it was said that the working title for this project was Serenity Now. So it coming out on the movie, on you know a magazine's webpage, that it's Spider-Man Homesick, they're not just changing the working title. This is a slip-up by two magazines, which is completely acceptable that a magazine company would have two idiots that would make a simple mistake like that. So we'll have to see if this is true, but Homesick, I mean, Homecoming, Far From Home, I didn't like Far From Home's name, but still along the same name. It's in that title. They can't call it Spider-Man 3 because that's taken. Spider-Man New 3 is not taken. Spider-Man-3. Dash <laughs> Dash semicolon. But we're not having an actual hyphen, it's just a word dash. And ampersand. You gotta have ampersand. <laughs> Someone copyrighted now. I really I, I that's actually like, a better title. I like the title that came out on the meme, which is Spider Man Work from Home. <laughs> but we'll have to see. I mean so, and I gotta tell you, it'll probably come out of Tom Holland's mouth because that's the leak, quote unquote leak that they always choose to go to. Like, hey Tom, say this, okay, and that's it. You know, so I kind of feel like just look to Tom Holland whenever the actual title is going to be revealed. Do you think but they actually? Like, I like that enough. Slip the, you know, slip them the title name. Off they can't possibly to, tell him anything just to get something out there for like a redirection. God, you really want attention, don't you? Yeah, he does. I have a puppy under the table. <laughs> Do you have to play with your wiener right now? We're filming well, it's either I play with my wiener or Chris plays with my wiener under the table. So, I on know. that bombshell, we, we're not making that the title. We're going on to the next door. <laughs> <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The reboot is in development. Scroll down. There's no picture. We're just looking at the story here. The new series will be in, in the same vein as Morgan Cooper's viral YouTube trailer. Uh, so it'll be more of a drama than a sitcom. So that is an absolute gift. Having it as a drama because it says here that Cooper is working with was working on Smith with the project and has been for more than a year. Cooper will also co-write the script as well as direct and co co-executive produce the series. Will Smith will also executive produce the series. Netflix, HBO, and Peacock are bidding on uh, in a bidding process for the series. HBO Max holds the uh, streaming rights to the original series, but NBC and Peacock were the original home for the series. So yes. there's that kind of who's going to get it bidding war there. Obviously, HBO Max has a real strong you know want for that because you have the original series. That's a whole package deal right there. If you is get this it. being titled, like, labeled as a comedy or a drama? 
No, it's drama. If you, oh, if you tune into the podcast and listen right before this segment, you'll hear me say it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Better. <laughs> it's but a common drama. I, I, I'm you remember when we, remember when we uh, reported the trailer in, in the podcast? We had that. It yeah, looked great, it. man, in the whole drama setting. Eliminating the fascism. Or the fascism. Eliminating the yes. fascism and the comedy. <laughs> from the French Prince of Bel-Air. No. <laughs> you didn't know fascism was in French, uh, French Prince of Bel-Air, did you? It's all about fascism and communism. No. Um, but if you eliminate the comedy, you really have a drama series that can get into the gritty depths of fascism. No, they can get into the gritty depths of the subject matter because they had a lot of stories in there which had really serious and compelling uh, you know, depth to it. And that's what led to its success is that it was funny, but it was also serious. But if you just take this as a dramatic series... And you give it to people on a streaming format to where they can just binge through it and gulp it all down in one pill. So that is going to be a success. What was the, what was the most iconic episode that you can remember? When Phil meets, <laughs> or when Will Smith meets his dad. Yeah, the, I was going to say that. Dad, dad does not too. want him, and oh, he yeah. almost he just go, breaks down and starts lashing out, and he goes to uh, Uncle Phil like, "Why don't you want want me no more, Dad?" Like. God damn it! That tugs at your heartstrings. It just <laughs> that's that, so was, that was the episode that actually human. made him as a dramatic actor. It did yeah. because yeah. if you watch the beginning series and he's said in like behind the scene, uh, behind the scenes stuff, he would memorize everybody's lines. So when somebody else was talking, he would be mouthing their words, and it would annoy the shit out of them. So now, if you have actual actors real professional actors in this, not just, hey, we're throwing together this TV series like it used to back in the day. We have these professional actors. We have the serious story. This is going to be, we're going here, here, and here. But we're taking these backdrops from this original series, and we're going to make it this cohesive, dynamic drama to where you don't even realize you're watching the same thing. That's their goal for this. And that is the thing that I've it's really loved about that. Time. It is very ambitious, but so is any other series now. Well, just based on the the basic plot of this film, excuse me, of the original series, I would really like to know what direction they're going to take this drama. Because once you take the comedy and the music out, what do you really have left? Like, what what is really his story arc? It's him moving there because of something that happened at home and then acclimating to to this level of wealth and all of these opportunities that he has now that he didn't have before. But how are you going to make that into a drama and keep it going more than a season or two? The Fresh Prince of Training Day. Mm-hmm. You ever seen Dallas? <laughs> I'm the mashup title person, okay? <laughs> I tried. That's all I had on such short notice. But, you know, Will Smith has said that Mike wrote from the first season of Fresh Prince and goes on to say, as funny as the episodes are, there was a whole layer that you couldn't do. Like, in one-hour drama, you could do eight-episode arcs, and the dramatic ver- uh, versions of these ideas mean that you can use existing storylines, but it's not going to seem like you're redoing an episode because the story uh, storyline's going to be brand new from a dramatic perspective. Um, so it's putting the old shit in a blender and mixing it with new ingredients. I wonder oh. if Will Smith is going to play Uncle Phil. Because <sighs> <laughs> Uncle Phil's dead. We can't reanimate his corpse. That'd be and then possible. they could have um, Jeff as the no. butler. Yeah. 
Jazzy Jeff, Jeff is a butler. Oh my would. god, he would. Be a he would make a good Jeffrey. He would make a good Jeffrey. What up, G? <laughs> <laughs> so, but to not hear that line come out of Will Smith's mouth, uh, he'd be like, "Man, why am I talking like him?" Yeah, I would. <laughs> I just love that show so much, and it was on syndication forever. Still. It's still, still if you log on right now, at night. log on. If you still, on, you it, it was right on. Like, I was, yeah. We were watching it today at work. Yeah, it's still there, like Seinfeld. They probably show it right after it. But it's that '90s sitcom, man. If no, you make it into a Netflix drama, that is gold. I'm just curious. I mean, Philly represents, so that's all I'm saying. <laughs> They're actually going to move the setting to Vancouver. Voice to Men needs to do the. Um, and Will Smith is now going to be a trans Mexican male. <laughs> we have to diversify. <laughs> it can't just be all black show. It has to have. It has to have gravitas. <laughs> no, that's what gravitas Rasmus is. has. I tell you one story that has Rasmataz. That's the next one. Olivia Munn is in talks, not as Psylocke, but to return. To G4. So, oh, wow. you know her as Psylocke. She played in X Men Apocalypse. She was also in the newsroom. Yes, she is also an original G4 crew member. And that is why I expect, expect they, they are trying to tap her in this because they're bringing G4 back. They're expecting to relaunch in 2021. So, it only makes sense that they're going to tap that. Uh, Munness to get the mun. She was a good addition when G four was on at the time. Attack Um, of the show was huge. Yeah, Yeah. that was it. Was absolutely huge, and and it was one of the only you know few stations before it became the Esquire Network. And I think twenty thirteen. Yeah, she left in twenty eleven. Correct, and she wanted she wanted to you know find other ways and know if she could do something else, which is, yes, that as an actor, you don't want to just, or even just a yeah, you don't want to you don't want to just stay thing. in that stagnant role. You want to move and adapt and evolve. That's, so that's, that's I accept grow. that, but now bringing her back, and now that she's been in the nerd culture in, in movies, you know, she's been Psylocke, you know, she has that notch on her belt, bringing her back in there, and she was then also Predator, the recent Predator as well. Yes, the rap reports that Olivia Munn is in final talks to sign a multi-year deal with G Forge, a pack that will include a development deal and has both on and off-air components. Official announcement for G Four and Munn's return is expected soon. Um, I think this would go hand in hand if Kevin Pereira signs into. <laughs> they got to have content because, as you know, they're not going to be showing cops, so they don't have that to run on. Yeah, syndication they, from 70 to 80 percent of their you know schedule lock. because it's no longer allowed now they can go og and bring back so like old attack of the show and old stuff that they used to do fill that in the blocks and so they get a lot more content in there but even still with g4 was this almost the start of what we're seeing with twitch and everything like that to where it was yes i want a video game network they were playing video games at certain times of the day if you were homesick and you, if you had a special sundial, you could find the code that would allow you to know what time it was on. But <laughs> other than that, it was cops. Yeah. Um, 
Because uh, that's a great time. So I'm just curious if they bring in the if if they revive the network. Um, I think it would still hold true today because the things that you get from Twitch and from YouTube kind of get watered down. Um, yeah, because uh, it's just recording on recording. Sorry, Sean. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to say anything political, including your comment there. But we do appreciate you watching, buddy. America. <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave that first part out. But America, indeed, Sean. America, indeed. We but, have to plug all the other candidates. Yeah. We, we don't have the time. We don't have the that. time. We got a lot of news and uh, not enough time to go through that long list. But I tell you what, this is good news. One thing that may not be good news is the next story, which is Amazon rebrands Twitch as Prime Gaming. Are you really that surprised? No. Okay. Um, they were bought by Twitch. Or Amazon, Twitch was bought by Amazon a while yeah. ago. I'm surprised it took them this long to change it. However, it does give them this much-needed moniker for what they're trying to do because they have their game studio, which even in this article they say it did not have a good year. The game Crucible released, and then they went and uh, moved it back to, to close beta because it was just riddled with bugs. And then New World got delayed, and now they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're rebranding Twitch. It's given them that. It's given them that moment to make everything Amazon the way that they, you know, Amazon does: video, yeah. books, movies, picture, farts, toilet, whatever Amazon. <laughs> and it's also giving them that ex- exclusivity. Now, Amazon Prime on the toilet. now have uh, the company's live streaming platform known as Prime Gaming. The benefits will be the same. Uh, you are used to, like exclusive in-game content, free games for keeps, and a f- uh, free monthly Twitch subscription, which you can drop on your favorite streamer, like okay. the not-so-good gamer, our buddy Matthew Kennedy. Yes. Al- also, uh, the SoSo Gamer Group, he moderates that, and uh, you can drop your free Prime subscription onto your favorite streamer, the not-so-good gamer, because he actually is pretty good. The name's misleading. But it's a play on names. It is. I, I definitely think this is just kind of yeah. basic and, you know, kind of expected. Um, one thing that I wasn't expecting is this next story, which is Injustice 3. Boss Logic teases Injustice 3 featuring The Watchmen. Ooh. And now the uh, most recent Injustice. Hold Control, Steve, and scroll in so we can see more of this picture here because there's a little bit more to the picture than meets the eye and then scroll on. There we go. Perfect. Yep. So, artist, Boss Logic, a.k.a. Nikolai Bizlogic, um, where the name comes from, posted an image on Twitter that is not entirely clear if it's official or not. Boss Logic has done lots of artwork for games, including in Assassin's Creed Valhalla reveal and plenty of Street Fighter art. Uh, the DC fandom virtual event is coming up, and he is actually attending. He has also tagged NetherRealm Studios creative director Ed Boom into this. And here with the image that he uploaded, we see an image of the Doomsday Clock, 
almost very Doctor Who, very timey-wimey. And we also see the comedian's uh, smiley face face pin. We yep. see Dr. Manhattan's little circle thing that he has on his head, Dr. Manhattan circles. Hopefully he has pants in this. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, I want to believe that this is real because this would be amazing for Injustice to see it would Superman fit. go up against Dr. Manhattan, you know, Batman against Rorschach, you know, it'd be amazing. This is just right up along the lines of that, especially since they already had the crossover in the New 52 with Batman and the Watchmen and all that. So, it's Manhattan. Batman Hatton. Batman Hatton. <laughs> Why not? We'll go with it. <laughs> um, but I like that. I really, but once again, we're probably not going to find out until August 22nd, yeah. next Saturday. So we have that going for us, like this next story, which was at least confirmed. Rocksteady Studios confirms the Suicide Squad game. Right there is the money shot that we need. From the creators of the Batman Arkham games comes their first teaser image of the game. Uh, in the tweet <clears throat> released, Rocksteady says, Target locked. Hashtag DC Fandom August 22nd. And in the image, we see the Suicide Squad formed as crosshairs on the head of Superman. Earlier rumors that we reported on this podcast has actually said that the game would center around killing the Justice League, which would also kind of go along the lines of what they are going for in this image here. Because you see right here, the Suicide Squad crosshairs with Superman, meaning the obvious that they're trying to kill him. You have plethora amount of villains that are tied to the Suicide Squad, plethora amount of Justice Leaguers. This has the the premise to be a huge game. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, I like to see where this leads. I love the, you know, if you're playing from that side, trying to hunt the Justice League, that would be very... Um, the different look on the game to where you now have that perspective of these people who are being put in this suicide situation for their freedom to where that's really something that I could see you know an interesting game dynamic yeah would you try to kill Superman if, it, if you're like dependent on it Exactly. Like, yes. You know, dead shot. That's the question that you have. Would you have dead shot with a kryptonite bullet? And, you know, in that situation where you just need to whoop, right in the skull. In a second, I'd pull that trigger. Sorry, Supes. <laughs> but we'll have to sorry, see. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, sorry but we'll not have soup. to see what comes up in the fandom. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the. Which is different than the Thunderdome, because that's a completely different thing. But one thing that is a different thing is this story. A trusted industry insider confirms when the next Batman game will be revealed. Jason Schreiner, formerly of Kotaku, now covering video games for Bloomberg, said on Twitter a couple days ago that the WB Montreal Batman game should be upcoming to the DC Fandom online event. Schreiner previously revealed that Montreal was working on a suicide game, but then that got shut down, and Rocksteady then picked up that one. 
And yeah. Rocksteady was also supposedly working on a Batman or Superman game at that time, which now we know that was actually Justice League or Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. And now the Batman Court of Owls, Montreal, has been leaking this and teasing it for such a long time. I'm just happy that this road is finally leading to possibly... I don't just want an announcement trailer. I want to see gameplay. You You've been teasing this for too and long. Not, and not, it's not. like marrying someone and all she shows you is her ankle. <laughs> Give me a little boob! God damn it! I've been spending most of my life living in an Amish paradise. But <laughs> 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 that's what it's like with this, man. I want another Batman game. Good one. Not you, Arkham Knight. Sit down. But I want a good one, man. And I really feel like this could come out with the Court of Owls because the Court of Owls was a newer villain that they added in the New 52. Okay. Pretty much that the Gotham elite was secretly running the show, Illuminati. And they have Talon, which is their uh, assassin, but the Talon is actually a person who was going after the Court of Owls, and they just made them a zombie assassin. Okay. So they could live forever. But they have an army of them, and it's a really good villain. It has a lot of interesting dynamic to the gameplay. Right. So uh, I really think that this could be a really good reboot. Now, Schreiner also acknowledges that the studio was originally working on Damian Wayne Batman game, and uh, but it was rebooted by the, either the studio or DC. Montreal has updated their website, confirming that this will be revealed at the fandom. So we will be seeing Batman. We'll be seeing Superman. Or, uh, super, uh, I'm sorry, Suicide Squad, and we'll be seeing the Justice League Snyder Cut trailers all at this event. So we we tend to you know rip on a lot of people for not having an original idea all the time. We did it this podcast. Actually. We just yeah. did it multiple like times, four yeah. stories ago, and three stories ago, and two stories ago. But Sean Ennis says, "Fine, just America." <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> love you, Sean. Sure. What about what about a uh, Batman Beyond game? Yes, take my money now. My wallet's over there. Just put it on the dresser when you're done. Is Kevin Conroy Batman teaching the new one? I told you, my wallet's over there. Leave it on the dresser. <laughs> <when you're done>. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All the other ones get it. Stop talking, start doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get to it. Chop, chop. Make it happen, Captain. But no, I'm, def- I'm definitely down for that one. I would love a Batman Beyond game. Um, another game that I really like, this next one coming up, CD Projekt Red. Well, they are just the complete tease king because they have teased us yet again with more trailers for CD Projekt Red. Scroll down to the beautiful bean footage right there. I do believe I... That beautiful... There we go. And then full screen that bitch. Um, no? No. Scroll up. A little bit. A little bit. There we go. Yeah, up. There we go. So, with this, um, another episode of Night City re- leaves us with two trailers to chew on. Life Pass, which is this one, and Weaponry. First, Life Pass on your own background uh, character. So, unlike Mass Effect, it seems to alter your game, or at least the introduction of it. Okay. You have three choices. Street kid, self-explanatory. You grew up on the street. You're making your way through it. 
Nomad, futuristic hillbilly biker gang that watched too many Mad Max films. That's my description, not them. Okay. Um, Corpo. I thought you would have went like the Sons of Anarchy route. <laughs> no. Corpo. Okay. You start off in uh, deep in the corporate structure, but as a lackey. Okay. You're the bitch that gets coffee. So you have these three intro points to where, obviously, the story is going to start off completely different no matter where you pick. All right. Nomad. Um, you know, this one with the Nomad. I really like this trailer uh, because with this, it seems very Mad Max. You're in that wide open wasteland territory to begin with. Looks good. They talked about the graph, and all this is pretty much new content. We haven't seen any of the. None of this is regurgitated, and it's really giving you a sense of where you're going to be in the beginning. Little stuff like that, like unhooking wires, wiping off mirrors. This is all next gen technology. Maybe just all those delays, they're actually working on something. Well, at least one company's taking delays to do something positive. Hello, everybody that's watching, by the way. Yes. Um, wow, a lot of them. So, um, I really like and I appreciate this game. That's why I'm really, I'm honestly fine with them taking as much time as they need to get this right. As of right now, it's November 19th when we're yeah. going to be able to get our claws into this game. But, you know, just from even a starting point of this, of it still feels very Mass Effect, but having this so new because you're starting in a different place. Mass Effect was just, oh, what about Shepard? Oh, his parents were drug runners, but he's a good guy. He scored <laughs> high on the military. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, no, oh, you're a drug runner. And then all of a sudden you get the hero's call. It's a very different way of looking at it. You know, and well, it's obviously like this guy viruses is uh, for computer, like you know, to hack computer systems. And yeah, you get caught by the FBI. Hey, we're gonna give you a job. Well, in this one with the corpo, you are, end up being kind of like a hitman for the corporation, and you, this guy's saying you're the killer up until they decide you need to be killed. So there's that call to action there with that one. So. It's really interesting. Uh, scroll down to the next trailer because the next one's weapons, which is just yeah, shady. honestly, it's just a lot of fun. You know that you're going to want to play the weapons. You know you're going to want a lot all the different stuff that has to do with this stuff. And honestly, it's just a trailer full of cool weapons: regular guns, power weapons, being able to change out scopes, barrels, you know, ammo cartridges like you're used to on yeah. any shooter. Um, you have smart guns with homing bullets, melee weapons, and even a Deus Ex-like augmentations to your arms with the Mantis blades. Oh, so you can literally just stab somebody with your arms. And obviously there's a lot of space in this opening right here to where there's a lot of space for guns, so it's kind of like Hitman. You collect the guns as you go, and it goes into your armory, and you can then augment and change them differently to where this one you see first gun had a couple different uh scopes this one shotgun electric shotgun at that and you know power weapons being able to change all the little things in there to where you really get the effect that you're shooting for i'm just so very impressed with this it's not Borderlands to where there's a gazillion guns to where it's the same 25 guns and it's just different color schemes and powers. 
This skin. is literally different guns. The augmentations change the way the weapon works, but it also makes it look differently and fire differently and act differently. So it's a lot of attention to detail into this game, and I would expect nothing less from Project CD Red because I've played Witcher 3. It's amazing. And just here we see the samurai sword. Really impressive. And then the mantis blades are a little... Yep, right here, right the mantis there. blades. Oh, and you can slice. You can dice. It even will help you cook a rotisserie chicken. It's the mod for the future. Now, on a, on a side what if, what if you could have modded arms like that? Would you have the mantis blades? I know I would. I would misuse the crap out of them, and you guys would have to visit me in prison, but I would use them. <laughs> I would use them by accident. <laughs> oh my god, I killed you. Oh, oh god, sorry. <laughs> Clean up in aisle four. I was grabbing for cookies, and I killed this woman. My Not augment bad. went off. She wasn't wearing a mask. <laughs> That's how you justify it, but we'd probably both be in prison. But, um... I tell you one person who's not going to be in prison for the mistakes they made. That's this next story, which is Microsoft. They are launching the Series X in November. Okay. They don't tell you what day in November, but it's going to be in November. Um, it's usually the week before Black Friday. Well, that makes sense. Um, you can pre-order now. Yeah. So you can, if you want the mini fridge, you can pre-order now. Um, but they also announced the difficult decision that they had to delay. Halo Infinite to 2021. I know one of our our cackle of Kelly's here. He's very disappointed at that. Are you disappointed? Uh, yes, I am. Yes. But the Series X won't have a heavy hitter at launch, but they are choosing to highlight the Xbox Game Pass and more than 50 new games that are being launched this year, question mark, with optimizations for the Series X, like 120 frames per second, Fast learning times, ray tracing, and quick resume support. I say that because we don't know what the fuck is going on with this year. If anything this year has told me, it is not like anything else. So to say, like, I cut out one story with Warner Brothers saying, you know, movies are probably going to be delayed again. I know! Because you don't know what the fuck is going to go on tomorrow. Maybe Aliens Land. I don't know. You know a third plague could be coming. Here. Shit. I, I we started off with fucking, you know, uh, losing Kobe Bryant. Then we got murder hornets and fucking floods and hurricanes and monsoons and shit. And viruses that can't be controlled. It's crazy. Cats and dogs living, living together. Hysteria. Oh. <laughs> got to bring it back to something nerdy to get us back on track. But... With the Series X, there's no price announced with this either. So I I, I appreciate 120 frames per second, but once again, like last week, what are you playing it on? We we doing that? What kind of TV you got that has 120 frames per second? So I would get the PlayStation Five first before I get the Xbox. Yes, for the sheer fact of because I have a gaming PC, I can wait. Yeah, for the Series X. So, here's the thing, Xbox, Microsoft, if I may. Um, if you're going to try to focus on exclusives for your console, maybe not make that available to the PC crowd. I know it's a dick move, but that's how you get people to buy your console. Or make it a timed release. 
But that's how you get people to buy that console. You want them the Xbox game because otherwise, you can just go out and buy not even my PC. You can spend under a thousand dollars and get a decent gaming PC. You can actually you can spend spend under what you're going to pay for that and get a good or that and get a decent gaming PC. Well, that that one's like hundred. It's not going to be to that specs because you know military grade, but. I really, I, I think that this next console generation fight is going to be interesting. A lot like this next console uh, game, which the news broke on this one um, within the past couple of days. But I would see nobody else being surprised by this. Bioshock uh, Cloud and Chamber has posted job listings, which make people believe that this next game, Bioshock 4, will be in a new place and in a new setting. Um it doesn't matter where they where Bioshock takes place because it's you know where I think it's going to be space. It's going to be space. on the moon. It's going to be the moon. You they went to the bottom of the ocean. They went to the clouds. What the fuck else is there in like a retro nineteen fifties style fashion? You go to the moon. You have a moon a moon city, and you go to the tower. The tower shoots you up into a rocket, and the rocket lands on the other side, and it's you know New Rapture, whatever the fuck they call it. And it's some other kind of, you know, um, weird government style. You know, like what was Rapture was uh, communism. No, Rapture or, was uh, uh, um, to build a utopia away from all uh, of all political features. Yeah, and then um, Infinite was where they kind of diverged because they did Bioshock Two, and they're like. Ooh. And then three was just like, uh, we don't know what we're doing. And then Infinite was like the new, ah, oh, this is Bioshock. Well, and they it had, was they had Bioshock fantastic one. in the cloud. So the first Bioshock was now Rapture. Two was a continuation of Rapture, but the story didn't wasn't as great as the first one. And the three Bioshock. went just like Godfather three. Well, Bioshock three <laughs> was Infinite. They didn't have a three. Oh, God, you're right. It was, um, yes. They had yes. DLC for two. And they had the multiplayer. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. The DLC. Because I bought Season Pass for two. And and Bioshock Infinite also had um, Fire Old Sea. Yes. Which was DLC for that as well. So Infinite was more racial and social injustice even before all this. With just Mm -hmm. with powers. That's all it was. It's just racial and social injustice with powers. It's a very good point. So the job listing asked for experience with Unreal Engine 4 and experience in scripted cinematic sequences, amongst other things. It also mentions new and fantastical worlds. We want you to help us breathe life into a new and fantastical world. Together, we will set the stage for a stunning narrative and system-driven experience, which is everything you would experience. Well, that's everything that you would uh, expect to experience from a Bioshock game. Yeah, and I love... Very narrative, very story-driven. Very I love the FU moments in those games. The yeah. FU moments is what hooks you into loving that game. Well, the first game, the ultimate fuck you moment. Would you kindly? Yeah. It's Would like, you kindly? Fuck you, man! I thought you were being nice! And you were controlling my mind! It was such a mind fuck. It was great! Oh, Brennan Robinson, Moisel's brother. He fucking, uh, he was really into that. And Moy told me that. I was like, well, let me check out this game. Why is this good? And I was like, oh, fuck. 
<laughs> this is great. Well, that, 2008 was such a oh. great year for games. Because you Dude. had Bioshock 1, you had the first Assassin's Creed, you had Mass Effect. That Xbox, <laughs> that, that Xbox 360, man, yep. that was a golden console. And then right so after that was Fable. Fable so Fable. many great games. Just boom, 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 boom. And then Rainbow Six. And that's probably why they... God, well, I, I miss what Xbox was. Yeah, it was online. It was I online miss what they were. Without, without the, you know, telling them to be, go F my mom. I'm um, in love with the man you used to be. But... The scroll through the article, and we can see some more of the job listings here. Uh, senior cinematic jo uh, artist job listing, principal combat designer job listing. Combat, obviously, very integral part. Senior so, cinematic animator uh, and environmental-related job listing. Okay, so environmental job World listing. Design. Maybe I'm wrong with the moon, because there's not much environment in the moon. Unless they terraformed it. Damn. <laughs> the backside only. <laughs> that would be dark side of the moon, sir. Yeah. Well, Pink Floyd it's always the SM. Pink Floyd made it a title for for their album for a reason, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I tell you, one person who has, has a, a reason is this next story. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. He's partnering with able gamers to support gamers with disabilities. And that is awesome. This is my feel-good story of the of you know the, the podcast because I always try to leave you on a good note, and nothing is more feel-good than this. The man we all know and love, Ryan Reynolds. There's a video if you go and uh, look it up. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, able body. Uh, he's very weird and quirky, but he also sends it to Stephen uh, Siphon, who is CCO of Able Gamers. He shared a video of himself and Ryan Reynolds discussing the importance of making video games more inclusive and accessible for many people, as many people as possible. You can go over to www.ablegamers.org backslash donate to donate to a very worthy cause and help gamers get the equipment they need to game on, man, because... And here's the website that we're talking about. My God, man, look at this. For as little as, what was that, 10 bucks? 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 25, this is, 50, 25, This is yeah. little amount of money that is going to make somebody with disabilities, it's going to make their life, man. It's going to it's gonna be in just the cornerstone. You know, gaming as a whole, I would like to believe that all of us, this is your uh, escape for many people. It's to help you decompress and realize, and it's just one of those things that... I couldn't be more, one, I couldn't be more proud of Ryan Reynolds for being yes. backing this because, my God, what an awesome charity and thing to have because these people can't game like you or I. You know, you sit here, I sit here with, you know, over a thousand games in my Steam library like, oh, I have nothing to play. These people can't play. Without things like the adaptive Xbox controller we right. previously and talked prior about. Prior to that, I had a I had an Xbox Live friend back in 0506 um, that he rarely gets on now because of his disability. But um, he you know came back from serving and he lost his arm. Yeah. So he actually sent out the controllers that he bought to someone and they re-modified them to do um, to to have everything. All the buttons on the back, yeah, and then the 
and the, the stakes, like, and they were configured, and it was actually pretty good in Far Cry Predator and, and, and Call of Duty. I'll tell you, man, I'm just, this is literally, it's their mission is to enable play and improve the lives of people with disabilities, and I can't think of a more noble cause, especially, you know, with everything that we talk about and everything that this podcast is about everything nerdy and geek culture. If you have an inkling, if you have $10 if you have $25, it's yeah. going to help these people game. And that's really what, that's the soapbox I wanted to stand on here at the end of the podcast, because at the end of the day, we're all gamers, we're all geeks, we're all nerds, and we all got to come together to help the other nerd find that niche. All nerds matter, man. All nerds matter. All nerds. Hashtag that. So, which brings me to our end segment. Which one? Katarina. Thermoscara. Cat Go Google suggested in the chat when I just was way too lazy to think of something myself. She said, Kids, what if? <laughs> what if you could bring back one side or supporting character from movie, game, or TV show and give them their own? Who would it be? And why, kids? Why would you do that? My example for this, I said to Big Brother, would be almost like what happened with um, uh, Agent Carter. She was okay. in Captain America, and then she got her own series. All right. That's a prime example of that what if. So in gaming, I thought of Mass Effect, the Protheans. Okay. <coughs> See Having a game around the Protheans timeline of universe and the Reapers. I would actually kind of counter that and go to Krogan. It's to see the Krogan or the reason why the Phage was created and see how it's created and and deployed. On Big Brother's topic of fancy Elder Scrolls, Show me when all those motherfucking ruins were brand goddamn new. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yes, we're just... You got ancient ruins like a of like a city the size of New York under a manhole. And it's just like, oh, those are the ancient ruins there. When the fuck were they new? <laughs> the same cave. Ancient. No what matter what game you go into. here that holds it up. It has a magical power, mind you. It keeps everything erect. Well, what happens when I think, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, I, that I would love to see. Yeah. Um, another one, I would, uh, just out of the Arrowverse, give me a Wally West flash show. No, I would, I would counter the Oblivion one with how does, like, how does the vampiric disease come in? Like, what was the first one? That would be a good one. Okay. I have to go back to Elder Scrolls Three for that. So, Kat, what are you thinking? Since you suggested this, I imagine you must have an idea. Uh, I do. From God of War and um, Mimir. Is that right, Mimir? Mimir. Mimir. Okay. Um, I would like to see because uh, I I love Norse mythology. I love almost all mythology, honestly. But um, true. His journey to getting bound to the tree um, yeah. by Odin, or even once they've—is is it a, well? Is it a spoiler? Like, <laughs> no, 
when they go to reanimate him, how he It's mythology. It's been around for literally thousands of years. If you well, haven't heard, had your it's opportunity. your own fault right now. <laughs> when they go to reanimate him, that he's in that like dark realm, maybe even the journey of that. Okay. They actually did like so. If you play the the newest iteration of God of War, so I actually went just went through that scene about a week ago when I met Namir and I had to cut his head off from the tree mm -hmm. and then travel to to Freya to reanimate him, but just reanimate his head. So. And now I got a talking head on my waist. It should be the title of the podcast. Maybe. I was just actually. <laughs> I was, that takes the talking heads to a whole other level. Yes. This was a shopping mall. And no, that's the different band. Anyway, so I and like that stuff. Um, I, I also kind of like. Uh, get me, uh, get daily. me a, diff a side character from The Matrix, okay? Uh, like Tank. One of the people, like Tank, give me a side character from the Matrix and well, show me dead. their story before Neo. Like yeah. even Morpheus, give me Morpheus's story. That would be a compelling movie or TV show. Uh, it's been too long since I've seen the movie, but the one that they said was the um, the main one that he, Neo had to find. The Oracle. The, the old lady. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yes, the Oracle. Yeah. Uh, story of the Oracle. Okay, that's a good one. I would, I would like to see the Oracle. But they said with every iteration of the Oracle, the Oracle transitions. To so you go back to like, like one of doctor. the previous generations. So yeah. show. the original Oracle. What's doing it all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Wait, one. Show, show the first simulations of the Matrix. Like right. they say, it was very infantile and very like Eden esque. And it's the reason why it failed because everybody didn't believe it because yeah. it didn't have any misery. So, like, show that, like, show that transition from that Eden esque Matrix to what well, they made as. With that line of thought, we definitely know this podcast is real because there has been problems the entire fucking time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's every day, a guarantee. So it's almost like Inception with the spinning pop, you know. But um, I knew it was real because your wiener was rubbing up against my leg. Yes, yes, that goes in the box. But he wasn't telling you to come over. What's the box? <laughs> must have French fries. <laughs> he, He's looking I, at you. I, I got to say, give me a, th a throng. Star Wars. Give me a, a, grandma, a Grand Apple throng. Any Seer. of the droids. Give me a droid show. <laughs> Give me a K2SO show. After, look, after Ro uh, Rebels and Clone Wars, yes, absolutely give me a, a droid show. Before watching those, I would say that is the stupidest idea ever. <laughs> they were like, they were my favorite. They, they were, were so integral. Sassy. They were integral. They were sassy. What about the Hanar from Mass Effect, though? All right. All right. I mean, you had to, because they don't, they don't convey emotion through, like, tone. They, they say, like, General indifference, like they say their, they say their emotion before their sentence. So, like, could you imagine, like, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet? So basically, they're West Side like, Story. They're like redditors commenting where they have to backslash s on it. Correct, but they're not twelve. I got it. <laughs> Do we know that? Do we know that for sure? 
I Usually because it follows up with the comment of like someone effing someone's mom. So yeah. I want to see uh, the not the very best that ever was. I want to see the second best Pokemon trainer that ever was. So Gary. The story of Gary. I want to see the story of Gary. Or Matt Bombshell. <laughs> or you can even make it a VR experience and call it the Pikachu the life of Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could have the life of Gary and the life of Roy right next to each other. And that would be two great so, VR so, games. So linking, uh, Rick and follow Morty me and with Matt. this one. So who would you always pick in Pokemon Red? Uh, well, Charmander, I pick Squirtle. I picked Squirtle because he was uh, good against Rock, and Rock was the first gem. And did you always pick the same starter one on the on green? Well, I mean, you can choose Charmander, but then you're really dependent on your Leaf Pokemon to really take out the Rock Pokemon on the first gem. So your starter Pokemon is really more or less just how you want to play the first gem. Do you want to make it harder? Do you want to make it easier? Do you just want to be normal? You know, so outside. that's kind of that. That it's very rudimentary. How many people, how many people have fake bones? The dumb ones. I have all the real dumb outside. ones. I've always Bulbasaur ones. is about as useful as tits on a bull. Not if you get vine seed. Anyway, um, you are all about boobs today. <laughs> uh, so bulls technically do not have boobs. I'm just saying, they're males. They're boobs. It's all about the mams, then. <laughs> they do have man buns, though. That's the new <laughs> yes. trend. Bulls with man buns. <laughs> Title of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we get to it by the end, but I uh, I like this one, man. If uh, And I definitely think that everybody needs to go over to our website here, contact the team right here. Uh, actually, no, hang on. Yeah. There. Contact the team here. You want to go ahead and leave us your name, your email, your message. Find us on all the social media pages, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on SoundCloud and all audio where podcast podcast is available. We actually are signing up for Apple. No, no, not Apple. For uh, Amazon Casting. We've got Spotify. We're on um, iHeartRadio. Uh, and a lot of those a lot of those feeds, so if you get on the major ones, they daisy yeah. chain down to like Podcast Addict and uh, what other is the feeds. one word that they would have to search to find us, which literally means a person who is infatuated with uh, geek culture and uh, nerdy news. Perjangers. P-E-R-J-A-N-G-E That's you! You're a perjanger! You guys love everything gaming and nerdy and geek culture, so just search. Well, not you, because then you might find U2, you might find, I don't know, the letter U. Just type in, put your yourself. Any so search I engine have to, I have to uh, send a congratulations to Jimmy, because he just uh, he welcomed uh, his new son on August uh, 6th, the day before my birthday. Very nice. So, Is he called Bruce? No. What about Logan. Al? Logan. His okay. Name is Logan. Okay. I'll accept that one too. <laughs> it's got to be a superhero name. It's Logan. I'm sure there's a superhero name, Connor. If not, we'll make one. Connor's from Assassin's Creed. Connor. There we go. Comes full circle. So, 
Honestly, I I got a uh, I got I love I love the end segment there. Comment below and let us know what uh, supporting or side character you would pick from a game, movie, or TV show. Honestly, since uh, Big Brother and I were going through um, the Monkey King on Netflix, mm-hmm. I would also pick uh, either Pigsy or uh, that's the second Sammy. time that. So the Monkey King has been. Added. It was an anime they released, and then they did the live action. So, but we're, if you go back to like 2006 or seven, The Forbidden Kingdom. Yes, that was with Jet Li, and Jet Li did an amazing job. Oh, he's amazing. Anything Jet Li is a treat. But that one's a surprise. But I would like to see a sidebar of like a character because they're gods and more just like superheroes. They got a skill set, power, you know, really strong shit like that. And it's an interesting universe set in very ancient times, and that would be an ultimate one right there. So let us know what you choose. But we also end off this podcast with thank yous. We want to thank you to Colin Corcoran, Matthew Kennedy, and Dorothy Wimmer for liking and commenting uh, Sunday's Love Nuts podcast, number 147, Devo Bugatti, Inflatable Prius. We also you want to thank being delayed. Mark Gervais. Tony Myers and Damian Turcote for liking and commenting on 146 Triforce podcast, Our Cackle of Kelly's. We want to thank Katarina Thermoscara and Mark Gervais and Corey Vance and everybody for sharing out the podcast every single week, every podcast, everything we do. You guys are always out there. You're the ultimate wall jangers, and we always want to send out our enthusiasm and our likes and shares and everything out to you, and we appreciate you. And, uh, well, as always, this is a long, drawn-out goodbye. This is the Triforce Podcast. I'm Matthew Bucherell, the Matt Man. To my left is Christopher Bristow, the old man. In the producer chair is Stephen Bucherell, big brother. And in the Perjanger Zoom box is Katarina Thermoscara, Catco Google. And uh, as always, we love you. We miss you. We want to see you next week. And as always, game on, boys and girls! We'll see you then! Bye-bye! I just don't want people to keep going back to the same well because it had water at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Avatar is doing that. Transformers is doing that. Give me something new. But you can reimagine, like, like the episodic series would be, like... Reimagine a new idea, motherfucker! I know, but... (laughs) (laughs) Game on, boys and girls! We'll see you then! Bye-bye. Show. And uh, that... I'm going to throw back to DMX. Yeah, well, I I was listening to DMX when I uh, finally beat the unbeatable level. And uh, that's where I'm going to leave that. I feel like I may have jinxed us all yesterday by thinking the show was yesterday and now nothing's working right. (laughs) Uh, no, we no, we are cursed in ourselves in that own aspect. Oh. If we try something new, it's going to crash and burn. Hey, Steve, could you stop for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Just making, I'm helping. I'm helping! <laughs> oh, no, we're going to end it. Oh, God, we're uh, going to end it. So, uh, now the end segment. Yay. Uh, that was a fantastic podcast. Yes, it was. New studio. We got the command strip slash, um, you know, Velcro tape uh, mount added on for the green screen here. We have our Kelly, our cardboard Kelly in the, in the corner. And it was this way, Kelly. 
Yeah, I tell you what, they're going to want to click right there. They're going to find that subscribe button. They're going to click like down there, comment below. You're going to find all the Triforce podcasts in the corner over there, and right above my head, well, that is the very best perch hangers and wall hangers video for you. And, of course, as our main man Connor says, one punch! No fedora. I know. I went without my fedora today. Punch! <laughs>